Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Jen Winkleman. This next pocket of time is going to be dedicated to the healing art of storytelling. I've been working in the mental health field for the better part of the last two decades, and in that time, because of my work, I've had the great privilege of hearing countless stories. I hear stories that leave me at the end of the day filled with awe about the resilience of the human spirit. And I get to hear stories about those surprising moments when love steps in to save the day at the very last moment. And I hear stories about the true grit it sometimes takes to survive the human experience. I learn something about life and humanity from all of these stories, and I want to be able to share what I've learned. But because of the part that I play in my community, I'm meant to be a keeper of those narratives. It's important that I maintain privacy and confidentiality for the families that I serve. And so those stories have to stay inside the four walls of my counseling office and are held by those sacred moments where one person tells their truth and another person bears witness to it. And in this, there's some sort of magic that we co-create that leads to healing. But this has me thinking that the reach for healing could be bigger. So I decided that outside the counseling office and on a larger scale, we needed a forum for storytelling. We need to get back to the root of taking the time to listen to each other's experiences and to begin to draw from them. So today, our guest and I will have an unscripted conversation, apart from the questions that we routinely ask to get into it. And then you and I will have the opportunity to learn a bit from his or her experience. In every case, there is value and something that we can borrow for our own lives. Because behind every face, there is a story. And in every story, there are life lessons begging to be learned. So as we listen along today, it's up to us to find the lesson in the story. And then if you and I so choose, we can catch that truth like a firefly in a jar and use it as light on our own paths. Thanks again for being with us. This is All I Know. Today, our guest is Stephanie, who is back again from the Penny Story, and she's going to tell us about her tree. Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for being with us again. You're welcome. So that first anchor point, who are you? What do our listeners need to know about you yeah. to, to get the most out of your story about the tree today? Well, following our time, it really resonated with me when you reminded me that when I said I am Velcro in my story, that that tied back to this very question. And now here we are at that question again. And for me, that has stayed with me that I am Velcro. And so I think that's very, very true of me in context of this story that we're about to talk about today, being a wife, being a mother, being a friend, being a daughter, being a believer, being a fighter is going to come into play because I'm definitely one of those. I can see there's something coming up for you already. Yeah. 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 I think those are, I think, I think those are, are where I'm at today. That second anchor has to do with the ordinary life versus the extraordinary life. <laughs> any yeah. any shifts on the spectrum there <laughs> with regard to the tree, or do um, you sort of stay in that same yeah. anchor point? Definitely extraordinary, and and very very grateful for the awareness that 
I live a very blessed life, not an easy one, not not blessed in the sense that um, I have everything I want and more. You don't have a bunch of money falling out of your pocket. <laughs> but I, I still feel very blessed at how extraordinary it all is. Okay, and then that third anchor point about success. Last time yeah. you were with us, you talked about contentment mm-hmm. and having a sense of peace really being the definition yep. of, of success for life. Yep. Any any shifts there, or do you still kind of camp in that contentment land? That is my truth. That will always be, I think, how I perceive success. And the story that we're going to talk about today is going to help people to understand why that is where I camp when in terms of success, that it's it's not about having everything in order to be successful, but it's about seeing that you have exactly the best and what was meant for you and being grateful for that and seeing it as extraordinary. And that's success for me. Okay, so last time you were here when we talked yep. about themes and experiences, yep. the theme was God showing up. Yep. And the three sort of anchor points for that were the penny story, which yep. you heard last time if you were with us. If you haven't heard the penny story, I'd highly suggest that you pause this podcast and go back to the, our first discussion with Stephanie and then pick up with us here because I think you'll have better context yeah. for where we're going today. So make sure you listen to the penny story if you haven't. And um, then the second event that you talked about was meeting your husband and your son. Yes. And then this mystery tree. Yeah. Mystery tree is number three, which is where <laughs> I think we're going today. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So tell us the story. It's it, it spans over several years and it, it it's um it was definitely a journey. Um my husband and I, we were happily married with three children and the day came that the ache started to swell within my heart for a child that didn't have a mom and dad that was somewhere in the world needing someone to love them and I just felt so capable of of doing that and I would just look at our family and I just believed there was a place for another person um, who really needed it Um, from the penny story you know that I had met my husband and that he had been married before and that he had a son um, who had tragically lost his mother and um, I stepped into his life and became his friend and then became the mom the person he wanted to be his mom and then eventually ended up to my surprise becoming that very person in his life and so I knew that loving a child wasn't wasn't didn't come from that child growing inside of you but it came from seeing them and letting them in and them letting you in and the bond that takes place becomes love with time and commitment and nurture and um, that our family was a family that had done that before and could do it again and so we were older my husband and I had older children um, and so it took some convincing that we would do this again. You had to get persuasive. Yeah, but it happened, and it it was a long journey. And, and I thought that it was just a journey about waiting for China to get to our paperwork, but that journey had a lot more 
to it than I could have ever imagined. And there was a lot of work that needed to happen in our family in order to really be the family that could give who would become our daughter all that she needed. And there was a lot of well, I, I felt like I was an expert at this because I had done it with Josh, but little did I know there was a whole academy that I would be going through. Um, to prepare you. To prepare. Long story short, that academy involved my son coming down with juvenile diabetes mm. and struggling with that, with needle phobia and depression and it's not um, an easy diagnosis. No. How old was he? He was just shy of eight when he was diagnosed. And uh, so it was a very, very difficult time. I was, was sure I was the perfect mom to see him through this, but my love wasn't enough to help him bear the grief that he was he had encountered in that. And we learned a lot from understanding what the what happens emotionally and psychologically uh, from trauma and how it literally changed my son and I needed guidance and and help to know how do I reach him there in this place that has literally been broken because of trauma how do I be there for him how do I get my nurturing and my love to get through that fire and into him without getting burned up because it was such a firestorm of emotions for him. And every time that I would try to reach him, try to comfort him, it was as if those feelings just got burned up. Had it always been that way between no. you and him? So this was a big change. Yeah. No, he had always been he had always been my cuddle bug. He had always been a very happy go lucky kid with a, you know, a nerf gun strapped to one like like a sparkly sequin belt of his sisters and a big bird helmet bike helmet on his head and and you know some other crazy toy warrior that, yeah you know just always making fun out of everything you know always joyful always always having a good time to hiding under tables and not wanting to come out and uh, and telling me he hates me because I have to give him shots and then the seeing him with the shame on his face when he would look at me later because he knew he didn't mean that he hated me and he, was and he was afraid I wouldn't love him because he had just said he hated me again for the 50th time and I would try to get to through to him to tell him I still love him and it's okay and I understand but I would literally feel as if those all of that good feeling that I was trying to get to him was just was burning up in the, in the flames of trauma. Mm -hmm. So we reached a point that um, with the adoption that we actually needed to go to adoption classes. And in the classes, they talked about attachment disorder. And they were describing the things that you might see of these children. And I realized that, that though it wasn't attachment disorder, whatever, whatever trauma was doing to an adopted child, that's what trauma was doing to my son. And luckily, we were really able to get a lot of good coaching for us. It was us that had to figure out how we could reach him. It going wasn't, to adapt. Right. What we were doing wasn't going to work, but there was another way that we could reach him. And we could learn that way. And it was amazing to just see it 
play out and to actually see those moments where the fire would die down and you, your love could get through. And all of a sudden you could see that he was coping. You could see that he was, it was reaching him and it was making a difference. And um, it was an amazing time, but it was a very hard time. And as a mother to, to know that his life will forever be changed, this will be with him. This could impact his children, his children's children. I mean, this is with us. It's not going anywhere. Right. was hard. And then in addition to that, classes continued. I continued to get enrolled in, in this academy of learning to become uh, <laughs> adopted parents. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up that you're not talking about actual classes. No, life classes. You're talking classes. about life yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah. Hard knocks. Yes. So... Um, we were then enrolled in Celiac Sprue Academy class where both my son and my daughter were diagnosed with that. And then following that, my mother was uh, diagnosed with heart issues due to uh, complications from uh, their health issues that she had that were not treatable and that we were nearing the end of my mom's life. Um, and that was enough. I mean... That was, a, that was plenty of hard knocks, and knowing that my mother, who I adored, who had seen and held every one of her grandchildren to that point, would never see her last grandchild mm. was hard. And the wait for the adoption, instead of being 10 months to 12 months, was slowly becoming years, 18 months. Now might 24. be two years. Mm -hmm. Now it might be closer to three but we were finally thinking we were nearing the finish line when the final blow came that nearly derailed the entire plan. And um, that was that I discovered that my husband had been having an affair. And that was a very dark time for our family. That's a whole nother story in and of itself. But I remember the day that I heard about this, and, and I, I, I remember thinking as, as this all unfolded that this could mean that I never see my daughter's face. She may not, we may not make it, let alone... So she it, may not make it. Right. And I, I know that people listening probably think, well, if you stayed, you stayed for that, you know, to get that baby. Um my brain didn't even go there. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but I'm actually really glad that you said that because yeah. probably some people are thinking you just didn't want to let go of the right. kid. Right. And it's not that I wasn't aware of the the risk to the adoption that the affair caused, but that was really the least of my worries. The house that I had made a home, the family that I had built roots in was getting was in jeopardy of being burned to the ground and being no more. Mm -hmm. And I was very overwhelmed. My husband was forthcoming with what had happened and was asking me, what was I going to do as if ending our marriage was my call when nothing to Felt that like point had call. been my call. And I remember sitting on the floor of our bedroom and... Um, he had gone out to check on the kids. The kids were in the house. They didn't know what was going on. They'd heard screaming. They'd heard crying. Definitely were, were aware that something was up, and they were, they were scared. And so um, 
he had gone to check on them and it was just me on the floor of my room going how do I even stand up from here like when I stand is everything gone like did I just find out that it's all over and um just going back to the theme of my life and how God shows up and he's with me in those moments when I need to know he's there I started playing in my mind's eye the picture of my wedding um, where you're standing in up there in that moment yeah Seeing when you're thinking like, about it being over you're yeah. going okay you're, so I'm third party. are you an emotional cutter or <laughs> <laughs> I know a little yeah. because I told if they've listened to the penny story they know that I say I, I said that I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to be an aimless wanderer. Mm-hmm. I want to get messy in my life. Like I got to dig through it and take something from it, even the ugly, most painful parts of my life. I can't let them be aimless wandering because I'm not an aimless wanderer. What am I working with here? Like what's the nugget? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? I'm I'm not just going to numb out and be continue to be a victim in this moment to my life being destroyed like i have some work to do here so it's very unusual stance to take stephanie not everybody can do that it's kind of remarkable yeah. to hear i just want to i just want to reflect that back to you because a lot of people have a very hard time showing up for themselves but sitting with you like you referred back to yeah. the penny story and now this story yeah. like here you are showing up for yourself again yes thank you god and mom and dad and whoever contributed to weaving that into me because it has been monumental in in moving my life forward and making sure that i made it to where i am today I'm sorry I derailed you. It's okay. You. It's okay. You're sitting on the floor of your room. Yep. You don't know if you can stand up. And in your mind's yep. eye, you've started playing the movie of your wedding day. Yeah. That's, I, that's where I took us <laughs> off track. Yeah. So I instantly saw my those moments where we're holding hands and we're exchanging vows as, like I was sitting on the front row. And I, I see us. I see my dress. I see him. And I'm like, in that moment going they're broken like those vows they're broken what what happens now and god spoke very clearly to me and again just kind of the tap on the shoulder and he said there were actually three of us there making vows that day you made vows and doug made vows but i made vows and my vow is that i'm still here for you and I'm still gonna bless your life. So if you stay in this marriage, you don't do this alone. Like, I'm doing this with you. Like, it's gonna be my job to solve this if you choose to stay. And if you choose to go, it's gonna be my job to put the pieces together and you're gonna be whole and your kids are gonna be fine. I made promises too and I didn't break my promises to you. So you tell me what you want to do, and I go with you. I make it happen. And I decided in that moment that what I was going to do was it wasn't going to be my choice. I wasn't going to choose to end our marriage 
for him, that he was going to have to make that choice and follow through with what he had already started to break. Or if God laid it on his heart to want to stay and to fix this, that I would stay. But it would be that our marriage is never going back to this place. I will never sit on a floor again with all broken pieces ever again. So you better be a thousand percent sure that this is what you want because you'll be making a new vow to me if you say you want to stay. So when he came in, I told him and that um, same night within moments, within probably five minutes, he walked back in and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, no, the question is, what are you going to do? And I told him, I'm not breaking this for you. You've been, you've broken it to this point and you, you have to decide. And again, just like I had described, told him, if you stay, it is not to stay and maybe fix this or maybe be a better husband or maybe try to love me 100%. Because remember, going back to the penny story, this had been my fear from the penny story. I was back sitting at a pew with a guy telling me that I wasn't the one that he was choosing. I was right back there. Someone else is more valuable. Yes. So I'm not doing this. I'm not sharing the person I love with anybody else. She's not going to be a treasure you hold in the palm of your hand and you hang on to even though you can't ever be with her again. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I I know that story. Yeah. And I'm not in that story now. No. That penny. Not on the other. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm worth more than that. I am a treasure and you're not going to treat me like I'm a copper penny. I'm a treasure. So... You need to clearly understand here, buddy, that if you're going to make a commitment to this, this is the commitment you're going to make. And he's like, I want to stay. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking, you know that this is what you want. And I don't want you to make that answer for three days. I'm going to sleep in another room. You can stay in this house if you want. You can leave whenever you want but I want you to be certain of your decision when we ask this question again in three days I want your answer to be a hundred percent sure of the choice that you want to make and if you don't think that you can give a hundred percent of yourself to me you need to tell me where we need to work towards ending this relationship because I don't want to settle for anything less Mm-hmm. He was a little taken aback. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, Did not expect that. No. It's interesting because it's sort of um, a composed response. Yeah. For someone who shattered. Yes, it was. It was. Cal- it was calculated. You know, it was thought through. I wasn't flying by the seat of my pants. A it's lot not of, impulsive. No. And crazy. Or in de- and I wasn't in denial. I'm not the kind of person that does. I'm a pretty level-headed person. And um, I don't know what it was in that moment. And maybe maybe part of it was the academy that I'd spent so much time in with my son's trauma and losing my mom and having done the work with the people that we had worked with around how to help Lucas and learning how to parent for those circumstances and learning more about myself. And Doug and I, because remember I told you that the work that we did was really about helping us 
to know how to come to Lucas. It wasn't about going and like making someone fix him. He never met he never met with her. He never yeah. he never needed to go there. It was us that did the learning and we brought what we learned, the better parenting that we had learned to the situation. Brought it home. Yeah. But in doing that and being able to be those parents, we had to work on us. And that was what was so shocking to me. I think the biggest part that was like amazing to me was that we were in therapy <laughs> when he did this, when he pulled this. And it never came out in therapy. Mm. Um, but I can say this, that what did come out in therapy was the fact that the words that came out, and this goes back to your, your question at the beginning, when you said, who are you? Mm-hmm. What I learned in that period of my, t- of my life was, I am enough. And I had never, I had never known that before. I had always thought I have to just keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. And so many people struggle yeah. with that. So many of us never get there. Mm-hmm. So many of us never feel like enough. Yeah. But in that time, I really had gotten to the point where that was my truth, and I would speak it. I am enough. I would say it to his face. I am enough. Like. I refuse to feel like I'm not the best wife that I can be for you. I am enough. Some of the ways in which you need me to be there for you, is it's not my job. Those are things that you need to work on for yourself. I am enough. I love you enough. Not in an ugly way, not in a way that withholds, but that I want you to fix what needs to be fixed in you so that my love can it was like it's similar to Luke I couldn't get my love through Through. to Luke Mm -hmm. because there was this fire of trauma I didn't know what the wall was that would block the love that I was trying to give to Doug to let it through and what I am enough meant was it's coming your way it's something is preventing you from letting all of that get into you so that it you it fills you up and you feel it. And I had no idea what that was. And it was a lot of things. It wasn't just an affair. The affair was just reaction, the behavior that came out of what that was, what that wall was that was keeping my love from getting through to him. But that's what I was realizing at the time was that it wasn't about me needing to love him more or better or different. It was that... It's got to get through to you. I we've got to figure out like how, how do get we it get it through so it gets to you. It really gets to you. And I I think maybe and I've never thought about it this way before, but maybe part of the reason that I was able to say I'm going to do this, maybe part of that comes from the journey I had had with my son. That when my son said he hated me, I did I what didn't buy that for a second. And when my husband had that affair, I didn't buy for one second that he didn't love me or that I wasn't enough or that somehow it was my fault. I didn't buy any of that. I was like, something is there that has kept my love from getting through to you. And whatever this is with this other person, I know that that's not love that's better than mine. It's just not. Whatever you're getting, it's something that comes around sideways, that is temporary, that is 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 slanted, that is is giving you something that makes you think 
one way and feel satisfied in one way, but I know that that love can't satisfy you the way that my love can. And my love's enough. So I'm not going to own this. I am not, I'm not going to go back to being a, uh, an embarrassed, shameful schoolgirl school mm-hmm. who should have known what was what's happening, who should have seen what was happening, who's going to... And, and I was at the crossroads because at that moment, I could leave or I could stay. And what was funny about it is that I'm standing there going, I'm not going to be the silly schoolgirl. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm not going to be ashamed. I am enough. What I have to offer you as a wife and a mother of your children is, it is, it is enough. And I'm offering it to you one more time. I'm giving you one more chance at it. But you're going you're gonna to give me 100% of what I deserve. And you're going to make me your treasure or we're not doing this. So I'm, I'm feeling powerful. I'm feeling sure. I'm feeling enough. But what's funny is I'm standing at this crossroads. And if I leave, I will have the respect of everyone around me. They'll all say, oh, of course you left. That's where they'll see your strength. Yes. If I stay, they'll think I'm in denial. I'm being weak. I don't think I can stand up for myself. I'm afraid that I can't do it without my husband. Yeah. And what's so funny is I'm, I'm at that crossroads trying to hold on to my strength. And if I go the direction that makes me feel strong, it looks weak to the outside world. It looks weak. And what I'm so proud of is that I said, I don't care if you all get it. I don't care what your opinions are of this. The proof will be in the pudding. So all I can say is I'm doing this and I'm doing it my way. Because even for the rest of you, I'm enough. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to be ashamed. And believe me, I had friends that didn't get it who I had tremendous amount of respect for and was tremendously respected by who did not respect my decision and they're not my friends today. And it is a shame because it's the thing I'm most proud of. In your whole is life. Is the choices I made in those days. The person that I, I, I dug down deep when I could have just fallen apart. This is Jen and I'm popping in to interrupt Stephanie mid-sentence actually. Total cliffhanger in her story about the tree where she's at a crossroads and making a big decision for her life, the life of her family, and her marriage. That's all the time we have for today, so please make sure you join us for the next installment of All I Know, where we will pick up with the rest of Stephanie's story and see how the story of the tree comes to resolution. As always, we thank you so much for listening in. One of the most important things for our speakers and guests when they agree to be vulnerable with us about their life experience is to know that what they have to say is going to fall on ready ears and we couldn't do that without you. Please remember that all of the opinions, ideas, information, and views shared as part of today's conversation belong solely to each speaker. And while we hope our listeners find each episode helpful and interesting, please note that this podcast doesn't serve as therapeutic intervention, nor should it substitute as advice or direction from a mental health professional. All I Know is a production of Inward Bound, a private psychotherapy practice based in Denver, Colorado. 
We specialize in working with adoptive families and provide support and training associated with attachment and the impact of early trauma on childhood development. If you or someone you love is struggling with adoption-related or relational challenges, find us on the World Wide Web. This podcast is produced by Jessica Barry Edelstein and me with audio engineering by Craig Knapp. If you'd like to be a guest on All I Know, please reach out to Jess. You can contact her at jess.alliknow at inwardboundco.com. One more time, it's jess, J-E-S-S, dot know at inwardboundco.com. We hope you'll join us for the next installment of All I Know. We release a new episode every week. And in the meantime, this is Jen, for all of us here at the show, reminding you, catch all the light you can. <laughs>